Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning, when their gospel of St. John, we'll be reading from the first verse of chapter 17. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me I have given to them. And they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of life. We have been working over these last several weeks and in a series of sermons on this significant section of five chapters in the Gospel of John. It's full of unique content compared to the other Gospels. John gives us quite a bit of unique information about what happened with Jesus and his disciples on the last night before the crucifixion. This section is a part of that larger section of five chapters. Where we read today is unique to John, just like the other parts, except in one respect. The first part of these five chapters, John tells us Jesus is having a discussion with the disciples and those in the upper room. Did you notice in that very first verse what John tells us happens at this point? The conversation turns to prayer. Rather than talking to the disciples, Jesus begins to address God. Listen again to that very first verse. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father? And then in the next 11 verses, he covers a lot of territory. It's almost a summary of the whole gospel, much of which we have already talked about as we've been working through this gospel these last several weeks and months following the lectionary readings. So I want to focus in on verse 11, the very last verse we read today. Listen again. Jesus is praying to God and says, And now I am no longer in the world. But they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. I want to particularly seize on this last phrase, so that they may be one as we are one. 
I think this is so very important for us because we live in a time with so many divisions. I mean, there are divisions and conflicts all around the globe, some between different countries, some within countries, but with different people within those places. But it's not only other places in the world. We find ourselves in our own country polarized on any number of issues. And yet it's not only in our country, it's within our own church. The church has always had some differences and some diversity. We have a number of different denominations, but now we have people within our own United Methodist family calling for a divide within our own church. They think we should separate into different groups because we have some disagreements. Some of them think it's because we don't understand authority within the denomination the same way. Others say we do not understand biblical authority or we don't have the same kind of respect for the Bible that others do. Some say it's social issues, that we're just too diverse. We have too many opinions on these social issues and we cannot live together any longer as a family. But I don't really want to focus on the disagreements and the divisions. What I want us to think about and focus on today is this prayer from Jesus about unity that's what he prays for on behalf of his disciples so the question i think for us today is how do we function as one when we have such disagreements i'm going to look at some of those in the church but i think you'll find insights here from john that apply to your own personal life different kind of disagreements or divisions you might be experiencing in your own life as well the first nugget i want us to notice here is that there is a difference between tactics or interpretations and goals or purpose a different between difference between intermediate steps and the final goal or the tactics and where we're actually going jesus has talked about eternal life throughout this gospel of john he's saying that's the goal did you hear Verse 3, look at verse 3 if you have your Bible open. Jesus says this, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That they may know you. That's eternal life, is to know God. To know that God was alive in Christ and working in the world to reveal to us this great love that God has for all of humanity. That's the key to this Gospel of John in terms of a goal. To know God in Christ is the goal. To know God in Christ. It's mentioned earlier in this Gospel, in this most famous verse probably from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Do you remember that? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but may have eternal life. Now, most of us think of eternal life as life after death, and that is correct, but it's even more than that in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, he says, once you make the connection that God is alive in Christ, once you recognize that or believe that, eternal life starts right then. It's a current reality 
Because it's life with God. It's life in the kingdom. Even though it's on this side of death, according to the Gospel of John, that's eternal life. And that's what Jesus says over and over in this Gospel is the key. That's the place we're going, life with God. So if we're having a discussion or debate or division... Most of us, at least within the United Methodist family or within this church, could agree that's a good goal. Life with Christ, life in the kingdom, eternal life. But where we get into trouble, where things get a little bit sticky is how do we get there or how do we live that out? That's where all the disagreements seem to come. But let's think about how that works. In the Gospel of John, he says to know these things or to believe these things is the key but if we look at other Gospels, it's not necessarily so. Take Matthew, for example. If we take Matthew, we hear an emphasis not on belief, but on action. John says throughout his Gospel, the believing, the knowing, that's the key. But listen to what Matthew says. If you still have your Bible, I'm going to flip over to chapter 25 of Matthew. Begin to read in verse 31. Listen for the difference that Matthew says is the way to go compared to believing in John. This is how Matthew tells it. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep at His right hand, the goats at the left. Then the King will say to those at His right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Matthew doesn't say you've got to believe anything in particular. He says you have to act like Jesus acts. You have to do something. Whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, according to Matthew. But as Christians, we don't choose one gospel and throw the other one out. We have four Gospels that we say are inspired, four Gospels in our Bibles. We say all inspired. God is working in those who wrote these to reveal new things to us through all four of the Gospels. The tactical emphasis is different, yet the goal is the same. Or think about the disciples, 12 disciples, right? All there with Jesus when he was teaching and traveling, all there on the last night, and yet they don't all respond to the crucifixion and the resurrection in the same way. They don't all live out their discipleship in the exact same way. 
after Jesus has been crucified and raised, now they all have the same goal, to proclaim Him crucified and risen. But when we begin to study it, they do lots of different things. They take different kinds of steps in terms of living out their faith. We don't choose one or two and say, oh, they are right, everybody else is wrong. We include them all. John Wesley, founder of Methodism, a fellow with great insight and wisdom, dealt with this same kind of thing in his own time. But he suggested that we not try to separate these, but when we think about faith and good works, that we put them together, that both are important. Wesley's conclusion was that faith or belief and good works or service go together. That those go together. Listen to just a little excerpt. I've put it in your outline here from some of his writings. He says, Is thy heart right as my heart is with thine? I ask no farther question. If it be, give me your hand. For opinions or terms, let us not destroy the work of God. Dost thou love and serve God? It is enough. I give thee the right hand of fellowship. In our United Methodist Book of Discipline, which is edited every four years whenever we have general conference and delegates representing all the churches across the globe come together, it's a book of guidelines for us, but it also has our history and our theology in there, and it lists several of what they call Wesleyan emphases. One of those is about faith and good works. Listen to what they write about that. We see God's grace and human activity working together in the relationship of faith and good works. Faith is the only response essential for salvation. However, Wesley's general rules remind us that salvation evidences itself in good works. Or from another section right next to that on mission and service, this is in our guidebook we insist that personal salvation involves christian mission and service to the world by joining heart and hand we assert that personal religion evangelical witness and christian social action are reciprocal and mutually reinforcing love of god is always linked with love of neighbor love of god is always linked with love of neighbor. We can disagree and still love. That's part of who we are as United Methodists. I think it's our calling in Christ that surely we can love one another even if we have disagreements. Now, there may be others who don't have Christ as the head of their life or their church, and maybe they can hate and attack each other. But surely that's not our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to love one another, to love our neighbors, ourselves, to love others as God has loved them. I put one more quote from John Wesley in your outline. He was dealing with some divisions and disagreements in his own day when he wrote this. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? May we not be of one heart? Though we are not of one opinion, without all doubt we may. In this all the children of God may unite in spite of smaller differences. These remaining as they are, they may assist one another forward in love 
and good works. So it's not just a feeling of love, but it's to work with other Christians for good in the world. Jesus prays for unity in this section we read today. His logic seems to be, if the Father and I are one, and these disciples here with me and I are one, then different groups of my followers should be one. They should be united in this larger body of Christ. That's our calling. That's the prayer that Jesus prays in this 17th chapter of John. Did you see the news about the Pope's visit to the Middle East? Pope Francis? He made history not so long ago when he announced that he would be going to the Middle East. He was responding to an invitation from the head of the Orthodox churches. Those are the churches east of Italy that split with the Roman side of the church in 1054. The year 1054, I mean, they have been split a long time. And yet the head of those churches has invited Pope Francis to come to him, meet him in Jerusalem, and pray for unity. He suggested they meet at a place where perhaps animosities are higher than any other part of Christianity, the Holy Sepulchre. That's where some Christians say right here in this space that we controlled is where Jesus was buried and resurrected. And there's another group that says, oh, no, it's right here. We have that place. They don't get along very well. And that's where they went to pray. But even more than that, the Pope says, by the way, I'm going to bring some people with me. I'm going to bring some of my friends. And you know who he brought? A Jewish rabbi and a Muslim professor. And then not only did he participate in that prayer service of unity with the leader of the Orthodox churches, but he also stopped at a place of particular...